morning. Great to see you guys. <laughs> wow. Could you believe the year's over? Another year, man. That was fast. You know, um, today, last day of the year, tomorrow we'll start a brand new one. And uh, I know that uh, technically speaking, nothing will have changed, right? I mean, it's just another day. However, psychologically speaking, there is something that happens in the brain of most of us that when the new year starts, it gives us the idea of a brand new beginning. You know, the new year is kind of like a, a blank piece of paper and you get to write in it whatever you want. And um, I thought that it would be a good idea for us to study today, um, you know, the, something that happened right after Christmas. Well, right after, like a year and a half after. Um, in the stories of uh, Christmas, they tell us of wise men that came to worship Jesus. Um, I think that we should follow the advice of wise people because if we do that, then what we write in these new pages that are coming will be wise indeed. Um, they went searching for a savior and um, whether you realize it or not, that's exactly what you're searching for. So let me pray for us and let's analyze how we should all be in search of this savior. Father, um, we just thank you so much for your love. And thank you because we are here today. It means that you gave us a whole year uh, to get to know you better, to love you, to understand you. We're starting one tomorrow, and we want to finish this one strong, Lord. So we just want to put ourselves in your hands, ask your Holy Spirit to guide us through these words that we're going to study, and may you speak to each one of us according to where we are, spiritually speaking. Help us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You know, uh, there is something very interesting that is happening right now in, in the country, um, I'm sure you have all read uh, or heard statistics. Um, apparently, church attendance is, is declining. It's going down. Um, however, people are desperately seeking for something. You know, they're, they're desperate to find something that would truly fulfill them. And um, they tried all kinds of things. We were just singing about it. You know, we tried, you know, uh, getting stuff, you know, having relationships, having pleasures, but it didn't work. So millions of people right now are asking the, the basic questions of life. You know, is there anything else to life? Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the special edition of uh, the Christmas for the Time magazine. It says, heaven and the afterlife. What awaits us? I was listening to an interview this morning uh, where, uh, you know, this person was saying that the, the, what's affecting us the most right now in, in society is depression. Uh, there is a class in Harvard that is called Managing Happiness. Have you heard of this? It was booked, overbooked every semester for so long, you know, that now they have it online. The site better help skyrocketed because people are desperate. They're, they're searching for things. In other words... America has become a nation of seekers. You know, you, you realize, I mean, this is supposed to be Christendom. But now the country is, is seeking for something. And, and they're asking these questions. You know, what is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? Is there really a God? 
If, if there is a God, does he really care about me? How, how do I get to know him? That's exactly what we call a seeker. And if you find yourself in that situation right now, uh, you're in good company because you have a lot in common with these wise men that came searching. They were seeking. We can actually call them the original seekers. They were the first ones that went out seeking for a savior. Uh, so let's look at them. Uh, they are in gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 say this is now... After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Who are these people? The Bible doesn't say much about them. The, the word in, in the Greek is magoi, you know, magi, this is where we get our word magic. In, in Mexico and in Latin America, they're known as the magic kings. Uh, in reality, you know, they call them like magic because they were like astronomers, scientists, you know, everyone that knew things uh, or, or did things that other people didn't understand, they called it magic. It just means that they were educated people. We don't know exactly where they were coming from. It says from the east, east of Jerusalem is Persia, you know, where Babylon used to be. You know, most scholars believe that that's where they were coming from, but they could have come from India or China, you know, both to the east. Uh, we don't know how many were there. You know, in, in all nativity sets, we, we see three kings, you know, th three wise men because they brought three presents. Chances are there was many of them because they crossed a very, very large desert. And in those days, people didn't dare to go, you know, like in groups of just two or three. Most likely was a caravan. These people were wealthy, as we can see by the gifts that they brought. So it was most likely like half an army with them. So we don't know many things about them, but what we do know is what they did. And they did three things that caused them to find God. And if you are a seeker today, if you're truly looking for the meaning of life, then we have to do the same three things that they did. And these are the three things that you have to do. Number one, you have to seek for the truth. You have to seek for the truth. See, behind the universe, you know, who created this? What did he create it for? There can only be one truth, right? I mean, there can be two. You know, two people can believe different things about who created the universe and why is it here. And their visions might be opposite. One of them has to be wrong, or both of them might be wrong, but what we cannot have is that both of them are right. If their visions are opposing, there can only be one truth. And if you seek for the truth, you're going to find that what's behind the universe is what we call God. He is behind everything. So if you're seeking with honesty for the truth, you're going to find God. See, when it comes to people that don't know really God, there's only two groups of people. There's a group that we call the speculators. Speculators are people that say, well, I think that God is, or I believe, I feel like God is. You know, they are just trying to guess. So they usually end up doing one of two things. They create their own God, one that is comfortable to them, or they say, well, I don't believe that there is a God. That's not comfortable for me. 
Because I think, in all honesty, who cares what you think? I mean, who cares what I think? What's important is what is the truth. That's what matters. Not my opinion, not my feelings or yours. What is the truth? See, and the problem with these people is usually they remain speculators for a long time because they have a very closed mind. They have preconceived ideas of what this place is. And therefore, you know, they are not willing to challenge their beliefs. The other group of people that don't know God are, are what we call seekers. These are people that are truly seeking for the truth. They want answers. You know, they take the time and the effort to find what the truth is. And they have an open mind. What does that mean? An open mind means that I have an idea of what this is, but I'm willing to consider that I might be wrong. You know, maybe what I think it's not the right thing, so I need to find out what the truth is. And this is where you can tell that these guys were wise because they were not happy with suppositions. They wanted the truth. And in this passage, we see what true seekers do. They, they were, first of all, watching what was happening in the world around them. They were paying attention. They were alert. A star rose that was kind of a weird star. You know, it behaved in different ways, and they were alert and noticed it. And then they started making questions. We can see that when they arrived there. So they must have started much earlier asking, what does this mean? You know, what is this all about? And they probably went to study and find out what this star was all about. You know, many scholars believe that these guys were at the place where Daniel was in captivity and probably writings of those prophets is what they inherited and studied at some point. And then they were seeking for the true God. But then the third thing they did is they did whatever it took to find the answers. They crossed a very, very large desert. You know what's ironic? At that time, the center of the biblical knowledge of the world was in Jerusalem. All the studiers of the scriptures were in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was six miles away from where Jesus was born. And these wise men come and they tell them, we saw the star of the one who was born to be king. Where is he? And they tell them, oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But none of them went to check to see if there was any truth to it. They already had an idea. Yeah, and, and they were not going to do anything about it. So these other guys showed total commitment with finding the truth. Um, so do, do, do you know what I think it's tragic for a lot of people? The fact that they come to this earth and leave it without ever finding out what were they here for? What were they supposed to be doing here? See, if you at this moment find yourself very unsatisfied, you know, if, you, if you're wondering, do, do I really matter? You know, what is this all about? What is this life about? You might be a little bit confused about life. I want you to understand this. That feeling that you have, it's a, a wish, a desire, a craving that God placed in your heart. So you may not notice it, but what you're looking for is God. If you're feeling that weirdness, you're needing a better relationship with God. You, you need to get to know him. And the good news is that God really wants you to find him and know him. And this is why he placed those desires in your heart. See, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, 
God says through Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He placed that in your heart so that you would like to seek him. You would want to seek him. So the question is, are you truly seeking for the truth? Are you truly seeking for God? Because that's the first thing that you need to do. Now, there's a second thing that they did, and we need to do it too. You need to let God lead you by following his stars. See, uh, Matthew 2, end of verse 9 says, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. See, what we see here is that because God wants to help you to find him and know him, he always does this. You know, he, he, he gives you a clue or, or, or he will send you a sign or he will put people around you. He never leaves you alone. In the case of these wise men, it was a star. This was no ordinary star, okay? Um, there's always rationalizers that are trying to, you know, explain things away in a way there is, there's no miracle, So some people speculate that this was a comet. Some people say it was the Halley comet. You know, this comet that passes close to Earth every 75 years. They say, oh, it, it surely was a comet. It's impossible. It couldn't have possibly been a comet. Comets just go past in a straight line. This star came east to Jerusalem from the east, then turned south to Bethlehem, and then it stopped. Is that a regular star? This was a custom-made Star for the wise men. Okay, so do you know what is also very interesting? No one else saw the star. You know, not, not, not the smart people that were in Jerusalem, not the studiers, not the, the king. No one else except them. So that star was sent just for them. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that you have stars Actually, if you're here today and you know God, you had stars in your life. And if you haven't found God, maybe it's that you haven't even noticed your stars. You know, sometimes your star is a book. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's an experience that you go through. Sometimes even in a TV show. Sometimes it's tragic events. Sometimes it's the church. But I am sure that God has placed at least people in your life to lead you. See, it can be maybe your loving parent that believes firmly in God and is always praying for you and trying to get you to know him. Maybe it's your mate that has been praying for you for years for you to really open your heart and receive God. Maybe it's a pesky friend or neighbor that's always pestering you to try to bring you to church and today you fell into the trick and here you are. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even a, 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 one of your children We've had plenty of families at church that are actually brought by their kids. And the parents eventually find God. Have you noticed who the stars are in your life? Have you seen them? See, I can tell you <clears throat> for us, when I, when I moved to the U.S., I was <clears throat> Catholic. And I met Karina, who is now my wife. And amazingly enough, even though the majority here uh, were Christians, she was also Catholic, but at the time almost agnostic and Uh, soon after we got married, I was working uh, at Toshiba and I was working at the product support department and, and the guy that they put there to train me, I didn't know this, but, but he was a Christian. He was a pastor 
You know, and, and, and growing up in Mexico, I thought there were only two religions. I thought there were Catholics and Jewish people. That's all I knew. When I heard in school about Protestants, I thought it was a group of whiners that were complaining about something. I didn't know what that was. So, so my friend, you know, Jeff Bowman, was, is, is his name, um, he invited me to, to his church, but I didn't understand that it was a church because he said, we're having an open day in our congregation. Would you like to come? And I thought, oh, it's a party. And I said, sure. And I came home and I told Karina, it's like, my friend Jeff Bowman, he invited me to go to his congregation to an open day. We're going to a party. She's like, that's not a party. These are the Christians. They're going to brainwash it. Did you accept? <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. Yeah, she reacted like if they had invited us to a meeting of Amway or something like that, you know. So, <clears throat> so we got there and I heard for the first time the Bible preached. You know, actually explain, and to my surprise, I could even ask him questions and, and you know, like argue points, and, and he wasn't angry. You know, so, so, so Jeff really started leading us, and unfortunately, soon after that, we moved to Mexico, and we went to a tiny town where there were no churches, so we kind of started losing our way, and we moved to Cancun, and then I started working, and, and my boss sent me to a seminary with Sig Ziglar, and Sig Ziglar again started talking to me about God and his faith and Jesus Christ and, 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 and then, you know, went back to Cancun and my sister Alina had become a Christian and she started talking to me about Jesus and, and, and then we found a church and, and then this pastor came and, you know, took an interest in me and I'll tell you more about Terry Hendricks in a little bit, but these were my stars. You know, can you see your stars? Can you see how God places people and leads you to where he wants you to go? See, when you realize that God is starting to talk to you and asking you to, to, to follow him, there's three possible reactions. One is the one that Herod, the king, showed fear. She was scared. He was scared because he was the king of the Jews, right? So where is the one that was born to be the king of the Jews? It's like, uh-oh. So he was scared. The other one is indifference. The leaders, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they asked them, where was he born? Bethlehem. They didn't care. You know what's the other one? Joy. When you notice that God is trying to lead you, you rejoice. Look at what Matthew 2.10 says. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They, they celebrated. God is obviously trying to lead us. So when you notice a star, when you see people sometimes ask, why are they all the time inviting me to church? You should rejoice. God's trying to lead you. He's trying to bring you to him. And look, I know that it, if things are hard or were hard for you this year, this, this may sound very strange to you. But because God loves you and he has a plan for you and he has a purpose for your life, he will use anything to call your attention. And sometimes these are hurtful, hard things that we go through. I know some of you probably had the best year of your life. You know, some of you just got married or, or are about to have your first kid or just had your first kid or, you know, got your first job. You're looking at 2024 and you're looking at it excited. But I know that for some of us here, this year was probably one of the hardest years in your life. And, and 
what you need to understand is that God may be trying to use precisely that to bring you to him. Are you having problems in your marriage with your kids? Are you having a financial struggle that you don't know if you're going to come out of it alive? You know, to us, um, one of the biggest ones that brought us very close to him happened in 2001. In the year 2000, uh, financially speaking, we had a great year. You know, I was a consultant and I was doing great. I mean, I didn't even have to go look for customers. Customers were fighting for my time and I became very arrogant. I thought it was all me. I thought I was so brilliant that people were fighting to get me. I thought I was the last Coke in the stadium, you know. So at the end of 2000, this very, very large chain of hotels approached me and they asked me, they wanted the whole next year for them. So I was like the guy in the Bible that wanted to build new barns, you know. I thought, hey man, I have it made. And in January of 2001, you know, when they were supposed to give the down payment for the whole year and I hadn't signed contracts with anyone else, you know, they, they didn't deposit and they didn't deposit and the, another day passed and I started calling and they wouldn't take my phone calls. And then finally, a friend of mine that worked there called me and said, look, man, they, they are trying to avoid you, but they canceled your contract. They're not, we're not going to do anything with you this year. So I finally was able to talk to the financial director there and he says, I'm sorry, we decided not to have consultants this year. So just like that, absolutely no income, nothing. We had a van, the van broke down. I didn't have money to fix it. My father had an extra car, which was a BW build, you know, a beaten up little car and he let us borrow it. We were six, my wife and I and our four kids. And I mean, we were, I was struggling with getting, you know, a little contract here and there, but almost no money. We started maxing out the credit cards. And I remember uh, we had a lady that came to help us clean the house once a week. And we had a tiny little bit of money saved. And, and we come uh, home and we realized that the lady's gone and the little money that we had is gone. We were like, oh, you know, that sinking feeling when you're like, uh-oh, you know, nothing. We didn't want the kids to see us cry. So we walked out with the dog. So we're going to the park. We took the dog out. There's a saying in Mexico, when everything is going wrong, they, they say, all there's left is for a dog to pee on me. And right on cue, my dog turned around and peed on me. So we started laughing, you know, <laughs> we're like, I mean, the dog literally turned around and peed on my leg. And I was like, there it is, <laughs> rock bottom. <laughs> but I called Terry Hendricks, our pastor, and I said, I need help. And we got so close to God in the next five, to six months. Another contract didn't come for like four or five months. By then we had been strengthened by by our relationship with God. Uh, Terry really guided us through it. Uh, his wife was very close friends with Karina. And guess what came out of that? He started discipling me. Mark Shook came at the end of 2001 and when he said, who's ready to be the pastor of the church? He says, this dude. So that financial stress 
got us to start the church in Cancun 2002. (laughs) So I don't know what God is trying to tell you, but if you're a seeker, man, take advantage of your stars. Every time that God puts a star in front of you, just follow it. You know, sometimes it's, it's something amazingly good, and sometimes these are hard things, but they push you to him. And, and if you are already a believer, there's two things that you need to do. You have to thank God for your stars. You know, remember who they are and thank him for them. And two, you have to become a star for someone else. Because that's what the Bible tells us to be. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Be a light for someone else today. God may have placed you in the place where you are right now just for that. Just consider that. But there's a third thing that they did. And and this is something that you definitely need to do. Uh, Number three, you need to recognize and accept his gift. See, these wise men brought gifts to Jesus. But they also recognized that because of who he was, he had an even bigger gift for them. So, first of all, have you recognized who he really is? Who that baby was? I mean, because, you know, this is what blows my mind and it stops blowing the mind of people and I don't understand why. That baby was God. You know, the, the most powerful being in the universe become, becomes a human being, becomes vulnerable to come to save us. You know, and that's what they recognize. Look at what Colossians first verses 15 and 16 say. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Do you want to see God? See Christ. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. That baby created you on purpose, for a purpose. He is God who humbled himself to come and save you. When I started um, studying the Bible, one of the questions that came to me constantly was, why did he have to come as a person? I mean, why didn't he just come and say, here I am, you know, like in his throne floating on the earth. We, we would have believed him. Why did he come as a person? I think that... He came as a person so that we could get to know how personable God really is. How loving he is. How available to us he really is. He's an incredible gift. It's clear that the wise men recognized who he was for two reasons. The reaction that they had to the baby and the gifts that they gave him. Uh, Look look at the reaction in the beginning of verse 11. Matthew 2.11 says... They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. I mean, I don't know when is the last time that you saw a baby and you felt like kneeling down and worshipping him. You know, but these guys knew this was no ordinary baby. They were in complete awe and they fell to their knees and started worshipping. And I find it very interesting because you notice that they did not worship the star. They didn't worship Joseph or Mary The only one worthy of our worship is Jesus. And here is the second reason why we know that they knew who he was. End of verse 11 says, Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, frankincense, and myrrh. 
You know, clearly, these are weird gifts for a baby, especially at that time. But look what the message is because of the gifts. Gold. At that time, that's what you gave to royalty. So what the wise men were saying is, this baby is our king. You know, we, we come because you are our king. And then they give him frankincense, which is a very rare and very expensive type of incense that was used, you know, to be burned in the temple of God. So what are they saying? This baby is our God, our king and our God. But the strangest gift, without a doubt, it's myrrh. You know, that's the spice that was used to embalm dead bodies. So what they're saying is, this baby didn't come to live. He came to die. What we're saying is, this baby is our savior. He came to die for us. So, I don't know if you've ever wondered who started with this idea of giving presents during the Christmas, during the nativity season. It was God. For God so loved the world that he gave you know, that, that was the first present. But in order for you to enjoy a present, two things need to happen. First of all, you need to recognize what the present is. Has it ever happened to you that they give you a present and you open and you're just like, thanks, what is it? <laughs> I mean, it's happened to me lately more and more with new technology. They give me something like, right? Well... You know, you need to recognize that he's God. Because if you don't recognize that that baby is God, then the present doesn't make much sense. You have to recognize that he's God. But then you have to accept it and use it. See, uh, many years ago, I gave my wife, Karina, a gift certificate for her birthday for a full treatment at a spa in Cancun. You know, everything, the whole thing. She was so excited. She loved it. She, she put it on her desk and said, I'm going to wait for one of those days when we come from missions and I'm all beaten up and I'm going to use it. And five months later, a hurricane came to Cancun and destroyed Cancun. Hurricane Wilma collapsed, you know, crashed against a cold front, which kept a Category 5 hurricane for 60 hours above Cancun and destroyed everything, including the building where the spa was. And it was never reopened. She couldn't use her presence. She got you know, it was too late. She waited too long. Sometimes that happens to people that don't open their presents. They wait too long and then it's useless. There's people that do that with God's gift year after year after year. And there's the gift and they don't open it. And I strongly believe that the cost number two is because of cost number one. You know, since they don't recognize it, then they don't accept it and use it. See, and, and, and that's the problem, that a lot of people really don't recognize what a real gift is. But let me give you an example. Uh, show us the first image. Would you recognize this as a gift? Does it look like a gift? Anybody? Uh, no? <laughs> I mean, even if you don't love cars, you know, if you came out of the, the, your house and it had a bow, would you be excited? Do you recognize that as a gift? How about this? Show us a second. 
Does that look like a gift? That's the gift. That is the true gift of Christmas. And these men accepted it. When you recognize it, there is only one outcome. Worship. There's, there's no other outcome when you truly know what the present is. Worship. I think that many people are confused about what the spirit of Christmas is. I, I saw a special this week where they were showing how the spirit of Christmas has been shown to us through all the Christmas movies made. And they show clips of, you don't imagine how many Christmas movies, and they try to tell us that the spirit of Christmas is giving, or the spirit of Christmas is receiving, or, or goodwill for other men, or the restoration of a family. That is all part of it. But the true spirit of Christmas is worship. That's the spirit of Christmas. When you understand what happened that day and why did it happen, all you can do with your heart is worship. Best described in the Living Bible translation of 2 Corinthians 9.15. Listen to these words. Thank God for his son, his gift, two wonderful four words. Worship. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to do just that. To worship him through this one song. And I'll come back and close this up, okay?
That is how God guided these wise men. This is how he guided you here today. I don't know um, what you may think that you're searching for. You may think it's happiness that you need or feeling loved or successful, a good career. Just remember, there is a deeper craving underneath. You're searching for God. Until you don't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that craving will always be there because you were created to have a relationship with Him. And uh, there's nothing wrong with being a seeker. We all started that way. But you need to accept it. You need to move towards Him and accept Him because that's what will transform you. This is what happened to the wise men. You know, they, they searched for him, they found him, they were changed. The story of Matthew ends by saying that they went back a different way. And I think that has two meanings. Geographically, they took a different route, but they left changed people. And that's what God does in our hearts. He changes us. There's a big crowd here. But there's three groups of people. You may be a seeker, which means you need to accept his gift. You may be a believer, which means you have accepted his gift. But there's a third group. You may be a stumbler. You know God, you know Jesus, but you kind of lost your way and now you're leading your own life again. And you know that frustration that comes with thinking that we're God? That's what's crushing you now. So if you're a seeker, accept the gift. If you're a believer, then rejoice in his gift. And if you have stumbled, if you have lost your way, God's word for you today is come home. Let me lead you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you love us enough that regardless of how many times we trip, you're always there to pick us up, hug us, and love us. I ask, Father, for all the people here that are just seeking, especially those who have been seeking for a long time without opening their heart to you, let this be the day when they will open and receive this gift. Strengthen us, Father, if we are believers. Help us to run with strength toward the goal. And if we have stumbled, Father, help us come back. Give us light, love. Remind us that you love us no matter what. Thank you for this year. And we pray for a beautiful 2024. In Jesus' name, amen.